Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Take your Bible, open it to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 4 through 13 in chapter 1. And the message is, into the wilderness. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful group that's come together on this Sunday morning. Thank you for the beautiful day. Thank you that we uh, had a chance to celebrate the birth of the Messiah with family and friends. And hopefully uh, everybody had a wonderful Christmas celebration. And now, Lord, as we look to a new year, we look to a new year with anticipation. We want to do a little bit of reflection, but we want to charge into 2016 busy about your business. And so, We just want to pray that you'll use this time together to shape our hearts to be more like you, to uh, take off the things that so easily entangle us, Lord, the sin that weighs us down, and let us run this race with endurance as we fix our eyes, or maybe refix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, which is Jesus Christ. We bow before you, Lord, right now. We know your word is profitable, so open our ears and our hearts so that it might shape us. Let us be good soil. Let us break up the fallow ground so that we can receive the implanted word, which is able to save our souls, but it's also able to perfect us and make us uh, vessels of honor fit for the master's use. And so we just pray that you'd move in a mighty way in our lives and our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's do this together. We're going to read the whole section, and we'll come back and break it down. Mark 1, verse 4. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, Mark 1, 5. And all the country of Judea was going out to him, and all the people of Jerusalem, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, and his diet was locusts and wild honey. And he was preaching and saying, After me one is coming who is mightier than I. I am not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And it came about in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening the Spirit and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts. And the angels were ministering to him. May God write his word upon our hearts. Now, as we look at uh, this particular text, we can see a prominent word emerge from the page, and this word is wilderness, and it's a word that does not appear after this section again in the Gospel of Mark. You'll notice the word wilderness is in verse 3. It speaks prophetically of John's ministry, which we looked at in a previous message. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, and he was saying, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Notice he was... He appeared in the wilderness, verse 4, preaching a baptism of repentance. Now, if you go down to verse 12, 
Those two scriptures apply to John. Now these two apply to Jesus. Immediately the, the Spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. So into the wilderness is the title of this message, and I, I want to talk to you about this concept of the wilderness. For the people of Israel, the wilderness did not bring up fond memories. Their wandering after they uh, emerged from Egypt by the powerful hand of God was called the wilderness wanderings, and it was not a pleasant memory. In fact, all of them were laid low in the wilderness in that generation except two men, and that was Joshua, you remember, and Caleb. And the difference between those two men and everybody else, and scholars believe that probably more than a million Israelites left Egyptian bondage. Only two men had faith to believe in the promises of God, and they wandered in the desert for 40 years, and they were laid low in the desert. And Psalm 78 says these words. Write this down just for your notes. This is verses 40 through 42. It says, How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. And again and again they tempted God and they pained the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power or the day when he redeemed them from the adversary. Psalm 78, 40 through 42 and so to, to think of the wilderness for a person who's an Israelite is a negative connotation. In fact, I'm going to take you to some passages in a moment where we'll look at the book of Exodus, and, and it was not a pleasant time. It was not a good time. But now in Mark, all of a sudden, there are two incredible characters that emerge in the wilderness. One is John. He's the way shower. He prepares the way of the Lord. And then the second is Jesus. And you have to ask a question, and it's this, why are they in the wilderness? Why is this, does this word continue to show up in these passages? When David was uh, writing in his time in the wilderness, he was running from Saul. He wrote Psalm 63 when he was in the wilderness of Judah, and he said these words, O God, you are my God, I shall seek thee earnestly. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have beheld you in your sanctuary to see your power and your glory. David experienced the dryness of the wilderness. He was on the run from Saul. And it was there that God did a lot of shaping in David's life. And, you know, many of us can relate to a wilderness experience. The word wilderness in Hebrew is midbar, M-I-D-B-A-R, and it speaks of an open place. It can speak of a pasture. If you look at Hebrew lexicons of the word, it speaks of a wide open place. But, but the root word is davar. And the root word of wilderness is the word. In fact, this is kind of the concept. It can speak of an open pasture place or place, but it also, in a secondary sense, speaks of the mouth. And the wilderness, this is a very important concept, is the place of the word. It's the place where God shaped prophets. It's the place that he led Israel out into after they left Egyptian bondage. We should ask some questions about that. Let's turn to the book of Exodus, and we'll look at a few passages in relate, related to the wilderness. Exodus chapter 3 is the first uh, place we will look. But let's ask a question. I think I'd be asking this question if I was among the children of Israel. 
Why this emphasis on the wilderness? We've been in Egyptian bondage. We've been in slavery for 400 years. Why does he want to lead us into the wilderness now? Hasn't it already been a time of wilderness? But for the people of Israel, they had been in Egypt and they had been dominated by the taskmaster and they had been under the reign of Pharaoh. And he was influencing them. Whether they liked it or not, Egypt was seeping into their hearts. Egypt in the Bible is a type, a picture of the world. Pharaoh is a type, a picture of Satan. And so God broke the bonds and he, he led them out with 10 mighty plagues on Egypt. The last of them was the plague of the firstborn uh, being, being killed. And you had to have the blood of the lamb on your doorpost and on the lentil. And all of that was a message. And out they went and they were rejoicing. I mean, man, it had been a long time. This was the hope and the dreams of so many people. So many people prayed for deliverance. You know, we can think of our own lives. We came out of the world. We came out from under the reign of Satan. But then sometimes our Christian life steers us into the wilderness. And we ask why? Because the wilderness is the place of the word. It's a place where God strips everything away and tries to teach you that all you really need is him. And every Christian, I've got a newsflash for you. This is maybe... You know, to look back on, this may be for later. Some of you may be there right now. Every Christian is going to go through a wilderness experience. In fact, in many ways, we are in the wilderness right now, waiting to go into the promised land, and it is here that God shapes us, and he even tests us. So let's look at what happened to the children of Israel. Exodus 3, second book of your Bible, verse 1. Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, Exodus 3.1, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness. He came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Moses' call came in the wilderness. Go to Exodus 4, verse 27. The Lord said to Aaron, Go to meet Moses in the wilderness. So he went and he met him, they were brothers, at the mountain of God and he kissed him, Exodus 4.28. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Go to Exodus 5, look at verse 1. And afterward Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me where? In the wilderness. Now skip all the way ahead to Exodus 13. Look at verse 18. Now we know that Pharaoh was very stubborn. He did not want to let the people go. He hardened his heart. Then God hardened his heart. And God was doing miracles and judging uh, Egypt and the Pharaoh. Look at verse 18, chapter 13. Hence God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. And the sons of Israel went up in martial array from the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God shall surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones from here with you. Then they sent out from, they set out from Sukkoth and camped in Etham on the edge of the wilderness. You are listening to Living Truth Radio with Pastor Michael Lance. 
I'm Mike Massaro, and I know what you're thinking. Wait, why are you interrupting Pastor Michael's sermon? Well, I have a good reason. Since Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported program, it relies on donations from people just like you to stay on the air. And trust me, you can't always assume that someone else is going to be the one doing the donating. So if God has blessed you through our ministry, we'd encourage you to go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the donate button. Let's face it, the way the world's going these days, we need all the solid teaching we can get. So partner with us today. That's livingtruthradio.org. Now, back to Pastor Michael. So before God closed the sea on Pharaoh's army, the people of Israel accused Moses, Exodus 14, 11 and 12, take a peek at that with me, of bringing them out to the wilderness to die. They said to Moses, is it because there was not enough graves in Egypt that you have taken us away, 1411, to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? It doesn't take long, does it? You get out of Egyptian slavery, you know, you've been in the car for a couple of hours, and would you bring us out here to die? Moses had to be thinking already, oy vey, I'm not sure I should have taken this job. I tried to tell you, Lord, get somebody else, right? And so, is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. What a bunch of whiners. And so, God parted the sea with, uh, the Bible says, picturesquely, with the blast of his nostrils. God just went, Bam! One of my favorite moments in baseball games is when an athlete gets out of the batter's box and just in front of national television, just bam! Well, (laughs) God just parts the sea with a blast of his nostrils. It's just awesome. So he did that, and the sea covered them, and the people of Israel in Exodus 15, they're dancing and celebrating and singing the song of Moses, the horse and the rider. They were crashed on by the sea. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You'd think that would have done it. Ten plagues, he opens the sea, he closes it on the Egyptian army. Now, they're not going to be whiny anymore, right? Wrong. This was just the beginning. In Exodus 15, look at verse 22. Moses led Israel, 15, 22, from the Red Sea, and they went out to the wilderness of Shur. The word Shur literally means a wall or a line of fortress. So at Shur, they surely hit the wall. Yeah. And they went three days into the, in the wilderness and found no water. Now, let me ask you a question. With all the miracles, freed from Egyptian bondage, if you didn't have water for three days, would you start whining? I think we all would have to confess. You know, if I don't have my bottle of water for an hour, I'm like, what's going on? Well, they could not find water. Three days into the wilderness, and when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, what shall we drink? Then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute and a regulation, and there, what did God do? He tested them. And he said, if you will give earnest heed to the voice, think of the wilderness as a place of the word, to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you 
which I've put on the Egyptian, Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your, what? I'm your healer, that's Jehovah Rapha. Then they came to Elam, it literally means palms, where there were 12 springs of waters, makes me think of the 12 tribes of Israel, and 70 date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. Next, they head to what's called the wilderness of sin. Let's skip down Exodus 16, verse 1. Then they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month. They've been out of Egypt for one month, after their departure from the land of Egypt, very specific. And the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the sons of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meats, when we ate bread to the full. We had steak and we had French bread. We had baguettes. We carried them under our arms. We sat by pots of meat every now and then. Yeah, we got smacked by the taskmaster, but hey, we had steak for dinner. This place, well, we don't have steak. There's no double-doubles out here. <laughs> With grilled onions. What are we going to do now? Are you kidding me? Is this what it's come to? That they don't have meat to eat? That they don't have bread? So they said, the sons of Israel said to them, would that we had died. You brought us into the wilderness, end of verse 3, to kill the whole assembly with hunger. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may do what? Test them, whether they will walk in my instruction. That's the Hebrew word Torah. Whether they will keep my Torah. Look at verse 9. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumblings. Did you know that God hears even when you grumble under your breath? He hears that. He can interpret mumbling and grumbling. He hears it all. And it came about as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the sons of Israel that they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I have heard the grumbling of the, grumblings of the sons of Israel. Speak to them saying, at twilight you shall eat meat. And in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it came about at evening that quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. How many times in our lives have we whined and God provides and we go, Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I did it again. How are we going to get past this one? What are we going to do now? And the Lord shows up and he takes care of your need. You're all sitting here today because the Lord has been faithful. But we're just like the children of Israel. When the layer of dew evaporated 14, behold, on the surface of the wilderness, there was a fine flake thing, fine as the frost on the ground. And the sons of Israel saw it and they said to one another, this is a cardinal sin, by the way, you never say this, especially when your mother-in-law has cooked something for you. Never say these three words. What is it? <laughs> Don't do that. If you say it, duck after you say it. For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread 
which the Lord has given you to eat. Now, Jesus took this image of manna from heaven, and he said, I am the bread of what? Of life. And he talked about that the pictures of the Old Testament, miraculous water, miraculous bread coming from heaven, were spiritual pictures, provisions that God wants us to understand, that life is more than just what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Skip down to verse 31, Exodus 16. And the house of Israel named it manna. Literally, that means what is it? And by the way, the Bible says in verse 35 that they ate manna for 40 years. So for 40 years, they didn't know what they were going to have for dinner because they ate manna. What is it? That's supposed to be a joke. Anyway, (laughs) maybe. And we, you ever have this exchange with a friend or a family member? What do you want to have for dinner? I don't know what you want to have. I don't know what you want to have. You choose. And then they choose. You go, nah, I don't. (laughs) Nah. I thought you told me to choose. Yeah, but it was within a limitation of three top picks that I wanted you to choose from. <laughs> what are we having for dinner? I don't know. They always knew. It was, what is it? <laughs> anyway. Exodus 19. There's some humor in there somewhere, right? In the third month, verse 1, Exodus 19. Three months after they left Egypt. The sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt on the very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. When they set out from Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai, and they camped in the wilderness, and there Israel camped in front of the mountain. And Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, Tell the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings. I brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. Now, if you just flip to Exodus 20, I think most of you know that's where the Ten Commandments are given. Moses goes up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. He doesn't eat anything. Jesus repeats this in Mark chapter 1. And it doesn't take long before the children of Israel are doing what? Down below. Moses getting the top 10 up above. The word. The desert is the place of the word. And what's Israel doing down below? They've made a what? A golden calf, which they probably learned about in Egypt. And they are dancing around it and worshiping it. And a Bible passage makes mention that they they gave a feast to Yahweh or to the Lord, but they were trying to mix pagan worship. And they even said to this this idol, they said, this is the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Can you imagine being God? You've descended upon Sinai in fire and smoke, lightning flashes, holiness. Angels are up there on top of the mountain. You're giving Moses your law. You've written it with the finger of the living God, and it doesn't take long. Down below, there they are. They're dancing around the golden calf, proclaiming that It's their God. They say, this Moses, uh, as for him, uh, we don't know. He walked into a fire. People usually don't come out when they do that kind of thing. And they're sinning up a storm. And God, in a funny passage, says, your people that you brought out of the land of Egypt, (laughs) your kid, you know, your kid, you say to your spouse when they're doing something wrong. Anyway, 
And all of it is summed up in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. This is the end of the wilderness wanderings now, Deuteronomy chapter 8. The place of the word, the wilderness, the place of testing, the place of perfecting, the place where everything is stripped away, the midbar, the divine purpose where God wants to show you that he can be everything to you spiritually, emotionally, physically, and otherwise. He says these words, Deuteronomy 8 verse 1. All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do. That you may live and multiply, Deuteronomy 8.1, and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Did God want to really know what was in their heart? Well, you could say that's human language to describe the situation, but I think the wilderness reveals my heart to me more than God needing to know my heart in the wilderness. The wilderness often shows me what I'm made of. And sometimes, just to be perfectly candid, it's not pretty what I see in me. I realize how spoiled I can be. In Mark chapter 1, verse 2, we see a character coming in and what is his purpose? Is it, is it, you've already mentioned in the teachings that we have a messenger here, a prophet known as John the Baptist. Now, what is his significance? Well, when he comes on the scene, in many ways, he's another witness and he's a witness to the introduction of the Messiah, the one who embodies or who is the good news. And he's in the wilderness. If you look at verse three, he's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And we talk about in these messages, a wilderness tradition. And the wilderness tradition goes back to the wandering in the wilderness of Israel. And so this one who's in the wilderness, John the Baptist, comes in the spirit and power of Elijah, is really making the way for the Messiah. He's the herald of the Messiah. He's, if you will, you know, if you want to think about uh, a talk show, he's the guy who introduces the star. Mm. And tonight, uh, the star <laughs> of our show, so-and-so, right? Uh -huh. And he's, he's pointing other people to the star, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's what John was. He was the herald, um, the friend of the bridegroom, but not the bridegroom, the, the introducer of the hope of the world. And uh, that was his job. And he cried in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And that was his job. And that's what he did. And he's right here at the beginning of Mark. Well, he was causing some waves out mm -hmm. in the wilderness because people went out to see him, to hear his message, and people were being baptized. And I guess the leadership didn't appreciate that because he was pretty much doing their job. And, you know, like I said, they went out to see what is this commotion going on? Yeah. Why, who is he talking about? Why is he teaching all this? Now, founder of uh, Camel Hair Suits, by the way, <laughs> uh, Locust and Honey Cereal. So he had a couple <laughs> things going on business wise. <laughs> so very low carb, I suppose, right? <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.